Stories. Everybody's got them, and we can learn from each other. History can be traced through letters and writings, but the one thing that has remained throughout the generations is the oral tradition. Oral history is one attempt to pass along the stories, tales, musings, and remembrances of one family for the benefit of listeners for generations to come. Join us now for this episode of Oral History with Jeff Zulkowski. Thanks for joining us today. Sorry for the little bit of a delay in getting episode 31, uh, the fifth episode of season two online. I appreciate you staying with us. We're a couple of weeks away yet from the beginning of NASCAR season. Um, And the reason I say that is that one of my patrons actually wanted me to talk about my love of NASCAR. So I'm going to wait for a couple more weeks to address that. I also, the last time we got together, spoke to you about Florence, my hometown that I grew up in. And I mentioned that I was also going to do a future episode on um, something called All the All the Girls I've Loved Before um, and going all the way back to kindergarten. So um, I'm going to hold off on that till a little bit later as well because where I'm sitting today, again, we're a couple of weeks away from NASCAR season. We're a couple or about a week beyond that from uh, Valentine's Day. So I'm going to save both of those topics for a future time. Today I want to talk to you about something that might be controversial in our in our society today, but it's the the issue of faith. And faith is really something that I think we don't talk about enough. Um, faith is not just believing something because that's what you've been told. Um, in fact, everybody has faith in something. Even atheists have faith that there is no God. Agnostics have faith that God is unknowable. And other religions have much faith as well. And it really depends on where you place your faith. We all have it, but it depends on where you place your faith that really matters. And if you've listened to any episode of oral history, you realize that my faith is in the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Um, I just put that out there right up front. For those of you that may not believe what I believe, you can understand where I'm coming from, and it is what it is. I, I respect where you're coming from, and I would just ask that you would do the same. But I do want to talk to you about this issue of faith, because faith is something that's just it requires something of you. It's not just something that we say we have. It's something that we actively work through, something that we actively exercise. If you've ever exercised, you realize that it takes some time to build up muscle mass. If you're lifting weights or if you're running or if you're doing any kind of activity where the goal is to build some muscle mass, you know that initially it's quite painful. It takes the tearing down of the muscle tissue you've got, and when it comes back, it builds back stronger and stronger and stronger. But then you also have this concept of elite athletes dealing with something called muscle memory, where they can do something so many times that it just, their body knows exactly what to do. When I was running, um, I, I felt this because when I started running, it was as if I was having to 
physically drag my body out to do what I needed to do. But then after a period of time, my body became used to that rhythm, that pattern, that foot after foot, that footfall after footfall of running. And I became kind of at a point where I craved that. Now, I tell people often that when I ran, I often ran as pain avoidance. If you run and you have that muscle tear down, if you run two days later, you kind of put the pain of that muscle tear down off a, a little bit longer and, and it doesn't quite affect you the same way. But when you actually develop muscle memory and your body becomes used to this pattern of this this muscle activity, for a pitcher, it's the, the throwing motion. For elite athletes like uh, Patrick Mahomes, it's the ability to launch a ball from any angle and any position without any footwork. He's just incredible to watch and that he can place a ball exactly where he needs it to go, no matter where he's throwing it from, even underhand sometimes. But in running, it became this pattern that my body became used to. And, and sometimes they, they talk about how runners re kind of achieve this runner's high, this, this sense of euphoria. And it's just an extension of that muscle memory. Now, I, I watched a video today of a young man who he was trying to do a backflip on a very small square elevated about eight feet above a gym floor on this square that was built into what I could only describe as a jungle gym. So three inch pipes leading up to this little wooden platform that was maybe 12 inches by 10 inches. And he was gonna do a backflip on it, but he didn't trust himself to start there. The first thing he did was he worked from a little pad and he began doing backflips until he could stick the landing in the same place that he took off from. And then he elevated that pad a little bit, but he was still on the ground. He was only an inch or two off the ground and he would continue to work on it until the muscle memory kicked in and he could stick the landing every time. Then he elevated a little bit further and then a little bit further. And then he got to a point where he was trying it on some places that were maybe about eight feet high. And then he actually went to the place he was going to do it, but he determined that he would teach his body how to fall in case he missed. If he ever didn't catch his catch himself, he would know to step here or drop here or grab the bar here. And that was part of him developing that muscle memory. And he did this in the video over a period of about 45 seconds, but in reality, it was probably several days, maybe even weeks that he was practicing this. And when he actually got to the point where he wanted to try this backflip on this 10 by 12 inch wooden block suspended by metal pipes about eight feet off the ground, the very first time he did it, he nailed it and landed right where he wanted to land. He didn't have to do any of that because he went through this practice, he exercised, he trained, he went through all of these things to learn how to do this so that he could actually accomplish it. And he developed not only the muscle mass, but the muscle memory. The, the old joke says, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? 
musician was asked how to get to Carnegie Hall, and his answer was practice, practice, practice. And and that's what I want to talk to you about today, but I, I say it in the context of faith, because we, we don't often think of faith that way. We think of faith as something that God grants us supernaturally, or you just have it. It's a, it's a gift that you might have, or it's just something that kind of happens and you kind of roll with it. But faith really is something that you exercise, something that you develop over time, especially for someone who walks the Christian walk and has a relationship with Jesus Christ. You go through times where your faith is tested through circumstances and you see God move and you see God show up and you see God accomplish things in your life that could only happen because he's real. And because you've gone through the trials and you've trusted him before, and it gets easier, it gets easier to practice faith when you've watched God move again and again and again in your life. So a couple of things I want to talk to you about. Um, Some circumstances in my life where God showed up in ways that I expected him to, even before I knew what the outcome would be. I, I expected God to show up. And and they started small. I can recall, and if you go back and listen, you can, in my faith journey, you can hear me talk about a time about two years after I came to know Christ, which was in 1983, that in 1985, God called a group of friends of mine and myself to develop a Christian music video program. And we we produced 13 weeks of this Christian MTV type program. We we solicited from music companies all over the all over the nation these uh, concept videos and we produced things. We found ourselves in situations where we were interviewing people that later became CEOs of major Christian companies. And at one point, about midway through the 13 weeks of producing this, this show that we were doing called Psalm 150, God placed on our hearts the idea of doing a youth rally in my hometown, actually in the county seat of my of my county, a town called Canyon City. And the, the program was going to be called Impulse 85. And we walked out on faith. We didn't know what we were doing. None of us had any experience in promoting a youth rally or doing anything of that nature but we were trusting God. We were trusting God in the midst of Psalm 150 to create a 501c3 company, a a nonprofit company, and he accomplished that. And so Psalm 150 rolled around and we needed a number of things to fall into place. We had two elements of what we wanted to see happen that night. We had uh, a band because two of the guys that were the hosts of our MTV type program were in a Christian rock band. And we had the video element of a special episode of our Psalm 150 program that we were going to produce for that that event that night. But that didn't make a youth rally. We needed a location, and we needed the ability to promote it, and we needed people to show up 
And most especially, we needed somebody that would come and present the gospel. None of us were preachers. We were 20-something kids who were walking on faith, going, God, we trust you for all of this. So when the time came for finding someone to preach this, I began to ask around my church. And of all the things of, of the pastor who was the pastor of my church who was a gentleman in his 40s and the youth pastor and the children's minister who were who were in their 30s none of them felt particularly called to do this i don't even remember asking them but i did have one lady in my in in my church back home say that her son was a youth pastor in Houston Texas of all places and she would ask him if he wanted to come to Colorado and do this youth rally and we just trusted God to move in that as well. And believe it or not, this 20-something youth pastor flew himself from Houston, Texas to Colorado. He came to see his mom, but he also came to preach the gospel and, and be a part of this youth rally. And I remember walking into the bathroom the night of this event. I'm I'm in the midst of this going on. The the Christian rock band is playing and we've we've played our 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 MTV type program, our special episode that we created and we had some difficulties with some of the merchandise that we were going to give away free that night not showing up until the very day of the event. And when this young man got up there to preach, I went in the bathroom and I just wept before the Lord. I could not believe that God was using me, a Christian of just two years, and somebody with very little faith, but somebody who became available and willing and said to God, yes, God, here am I, send me. And if you want to find the reference for that, that's Isaiah 6. That's where Isaiah answered God's call and said, here I am, send me. And each of us answered that call. That preacher, that youth pastor from Houston, Texas said, here I am, send me. Those guys in that rock band said, here I am, send me. Me as the producer of the program, this 20-something kid with desires to be a television producer said, here I am, send me. And I went in the bathroom and I wept and I came out and through very little promotion, and I'm not sure exactly how, God brought about 300 kids to that youth rally that night. And about 60 of them went forward at an altar call and surrendered their lives to Christ. And I was amazed. I was amazed that God moved. And and I don't say that because I didn't expect him to move. I fully expected him to move, but I didn't know how he was going to move. And when he moved, it blew me away. It blew me away at how big my God was and how intimately he was involved in my life and in the lives of these young people and how much he wanted to accomplish something real and eternal in our lives and in the lives of these kids. So the next time that I approach this issue of faith, and it's it's a much smaller example, but it's, again, just trusting God and watching Him move. I was uh, years later selling advertising for my hometown newspaper, the Florence Citizen, and 
I would make my stops and I would go from place to place. And if you really want to know what faith is, become an ad salesman because you get a lot of rejection and you get very few yeses. And when you get a few yeses, you bank on those and you go back to those places because they said yes before and you expect them to say yes again. And sometimes they say yes and sometimes they say no. But when you go to God, every time that it's in his will, he says yes. And he's just waiting for you to exercise the faith to answer the call and to say, here I am, send me. So I'm selling ads for the Florence Citizen and I walked into this business. They sold, of all things, satellite dish mounts. Now this is way back before satellite dishes were about 18 inches across. They were six or eight feet across and only you know, one in a hundred homes actually had the technology in their yard. Television stations had them and radio stations had them, but most people at home did not have this ability. And, and for whatever reason, they developed this company and it grew up in my little hometown. Well, I walked in one day and I asked them if they would like to buy some advertising at the newspaper that I worked for. And they said no. And I said, well, I appreciate that. But there was on the counter a VCR it was a brand new VCR they'd just taken out of the box. In fact, I think it was sitting on top of the empty box. And there was a little cup with pencils and a little pad with these little sheets of paper that you could sign your name and you could drop them in the box. And they were going to give this VCR away. Well, I was very good friends with a, a young lady named Becky. Um, and Becky, for a long time, had told me that she just, she didn't have big asks from God. She had some very simple material things that she had always wanted to ask God for, and she didn't know how he would arrange them. She was no more wealthy than I was. In fact, way less wealthy. Um, she she worked at a grocery store. She, she worked, uh, you know, minimum wage and she survived and she had the small list of things that she wanted she wanted her own place to live and she found an apartment to live in actually a trailer and she had uh she had wanted a television and someone donated a television to her and she wanted a vcr and i walked into that place that day and when i saw that vcr i looked at it and i thought to myself i'm gonna sign this and god's gonna give me this vcr I'm going to win this VCR because I know who, who's going to get it. Becky's going to get it. And so it was, I, I, I was not in it for the VCR. I had one, although this one was nicer. And at one point, I yes, in my flesh, I was tempted to swap them and give her my old one. But no, I, I went into it believing God was going to give us this VCR, give it to me and allow me to bless Becky with this VCR. So I put my name on the pad, I, I signed my name, I folded the piece of paper up, I dropped it in the little cup or receptacle they had for these, and I walked away going, God, it's on you. I believe you told me you're going to give me this VCR. I trust you. Week went past, 10 days went past, two weeks went past, and I got a phone call. And that phone call was from this company, and they said, you need to come over here We've been trying to get in touch with you because you've won the VCR and we want to get it to you. And it was just another example of how intimately God is involved in our lives. Becky had prayed the prayer, Lord, I just want these 
I don't want big things. I don't want a fancy car. I don't want a fancy house. I don't want a lot of money. I don't want a large TV. She just wanted these simple little things, and she breathed that prayer of faith to God. And God used me. Here I am, send me, Isaiah 6. While I'm out selling ads, running across this giveaway, and knowing when I signed my name that I was going to win that VCR and give it to her. And I did. I, I gave it to her. I took it home. I, I, I held on to it. I met with her a couple days later and I said, Becky, God blessed me with this. I knew he was going to bless me with it. And here it is. This is a story that you're going to tell people for the rest of your life, that God met this need through supernatural means. Now, the next episode jumps forward many years. It was uh, a time when I was in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. And in Nashville, we I was part of a church, and I've mentioned this before in my faith journey, a church called Westmead Fellowship. And we were in a small, what was once a segregated school building, a, a small building that was maybe 120 feet by 90 feet. And we, we ran out of space and we built a new facility. And in the building of that new facility, the sale of the old property went to a group of religious people. I'll say that. Um, they don't share the same beliefs that we shared. They don't share the same beliefs that most evangelicals shared. They were a group of people called the Unitarian Universalists. And we had an opportunity to just minister to this group of people. Now, that wasn't always on everyone's mind in my church. There were difficulties with the, what they believed and what they wanted to place in the worship center and what we believed and how we wanted to coexist with them until we got our facility built. But I was the one person who was just kind of in the position of ministering to them directly because I was the guy who was in charge of the sound system. And I wanted to make sure that their service played out as well as ours had. And so I, after our service was done in the morning, I would stick around. I would wait for their uh, female pastor to come and I would make sure that she was comfortable with everything, got her mic wired up, made sure everything was working. The sound system was working great for them, even trained some of their people to take that role on. And there was a situation where about two months into this relationship with the Unitarian Universalists, they decided to have a meeting on a, on a Tuesday night called, What Are the UUs? What are the Unitarian Universalists? And I've told this story before from a different perspective, but I really want to get to one aspect of this. And, and what it was was a circle of people all but me being from this church and people kind of expressing interest in what it was like and what do Unitarians believe. And and it started out with the female pastor asking everyone to just share their faith journey. And she started about four persons to my left and, and it went to her left. And so it made its way around the room. And the person who I want to draw your attention to was an elderly woman who was seated just to my right. And she got to her portion of her time to share her faith journey. And she said something like this. She said, I heard it once said that faith is kind of the substance of of things not seen, but what we expect and hope for. And as she's saying that, 
God's telling me, you've got to go talk to her after because she's actually quoting scripture. She had come from a, a, a circumstance where she was hurt very many years before in church and she had left church and now she was finding herself back into this Unitarian Universalist congregation. And she was quoting Hebrews 11.1. 1. Let me read it to you. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And if you dig just a little bit deeper, if you dig into what those words mean, the substance that that, is, that that verse is talking about means a foundation, a substructure that is completely firm. It can be trusted. Like when you sit down on a chair, you, you have complete faith that that chair is going to hold you, that it's not going to collapse under you. That's what faith is, is standing on something that's so firm that you trust that it's going to happen. The evidence of things not seen in Hebrews 11.1 1 refers to a proof or something that is proved or tested. Those are, those are the range of meanings from what's called the Blue Letter Bible. And it goes all the way back to the, the Hebrew words in that verse. And it, and it kind of shows you the depth of the meaning of that verse. So this is something, faith is something that you can stand on with full assurance because it is something that has been built to last. It has been tested. It has been proved and it will hold you. But that only happens when you practice faith. Another circumstances that I had when I was in Nashville was I entertained um, a job opportunity. Now, when I was traveling with Steve Green Ministries, about the fifth year I was with Steve, I felt called to church ministry, and I knew that I had done all that I could do in itinerant ministry. Itinerant ministry is great. You meet so many different people and you develop so many relationships, but they're not f very deep. They're, you know these people and you love them, and if you see them again, you see them again and you, you reminisce, but for the most part, you don't have long-term relationships with them. So I really felt called to being involved in a church, and I had been as a member, but I really wanted to be involved in church ministry. I wanted to be a staff member. And so when I was in my fifth year with Steve, I actually offered them a resignation a year before I was going to quit. And the reason I did that for the ministry was they kind of worked with their concerts, concert sponsors a year in advance. And if they were going to change anything about what they were doing, I wanted them to be able to tell their sponsors right up front, we're either not going to be doing video or we're going to have a change in personnel by that time and just know what, we, what we're going through. So in January of 2000, I offered my resignation effective January of 2001. And by September of 2000, I had absolutely no prospects of any jobs. And then almost within a week or two of, of each of these circumstances, I had two opportunities. And one of them seemed like the logical thing to do. It was a church that I had consulted with a couple years before in Columbus, Ohio. It was a larger church, maybe 3,000 members, multiple services. They had just built a brand new worship center with state-of-the-art technology. I had been a part of consulting with them before they ever got to that point. I was the very first person to direct anything out of this new video suite when we went in for a concert with Steve. And it was just 
the obvious answer that that was the next step for me. It was a step up in pay. It was a step up in my responsibilities. It was a job in a church, which is exactly what I wanted. It was everything that someone on the outside looking in would say, that's where Jeff's going to go. And that's pretty much what I had thought it as well. But at the same time, this little tiny church that I was a part of that had moved out of this segregated schoolhouse into this facility that they had built and they're running about 125 and the children's ministry on Wednesday nights that I had become a part of was me and about four kids meeting in a room in a library kind of going through the basics of our faith and we took a verse out of the New Testament a parable that Jesus told about these folks who worked in a vineyard and we became the Westmead F FBI, the Westmead Fellowship Bureau of Investigation, because we were going to dig. And, and I'm talking kids 13, 11, 8, 6, 5. It was a pretty broad age range, but we were digging into scripture and learning how, learning not only what we believe, but why we believe it by going through this parable and going through other studies together. And God just gave me a tremendous, tremendous heart for these kids. And when this job in Columbus, Ohio came around, at the same time, two very dear friends of mine at that church, the, the music minister, Jeff, and the part-time youth pastor, Keith, didn't want me to leave. They didn't want me to go to Columbus. So they went to the church. They went to the church leadership and said, we want to create a position to keep Jeff here he loves these kids. He wants to stay, but he we need to give him a job. And so they gave me a job as youth pastor and church administrator. And it was basically an associate pastor job, just doing everything that I could to support the pastor, continue to teach the kids, growing with them into the youth program. And it was a no-brainer, again, from the standpoint of an outside person looking in, that that would not be the job I would take. In fact, what I was working for with Steve Green, and I'll just, I, I put numbers on this not to say anything, but just to give you some perspective, I was making about $32,000 a year. Um, the job in the church in Columbus was about $4,000 more a year with full benefits, a 401k or a 403b, uh, health insurance, all of those things. The, the job with Westmead was $24,000 a year on a contract, meaning they cut me a check for $2,000 every month. And I would go and pay my own insurance and pay my own taxes. And so it would be a net of about $16,000. And what happened is as I was working my way through the decision, I had been there, I had interviewed in Columbus, I had been told how well I had done in the interview. I had been told that it it was going before the church leadership, but I had not spoken to anybody in a certain amount of time. And so I called and asked the gentleman that had interviewed me and I said, do you know what the status of that job is? And he said, oh, absolutely. He said, you're, you're, you're hired. I went to the pastor and told him how great you were. And he went to the board and told them how great you were. And I'm like, I can't take the job. And he's like, what? And I said, I have to stay where I'm at. God's calling me to what in the world's eyes is the lesser thing, but in his kingdom is the greater thing. 
and it's to stay and minister to these kids that God has given me to minister to. And I don't know how God did it, but when I said, here I am, God, send me, and what sending then meant was staying put in Nashville and ministering where I was already at, God moved mountains. God put me in a condo, and I paid less for a condo to own it than I would have to rent it. And I got a part-time job at a UPS store at the just the graciousness of a, a friend named John. And I paid all my bills and I had satellite TV in my house and I lived and it was God moving and God showing me again that I was standing on a firm foundation and that he could be trusted because he had proved himself over and over again. Now, two other instances, at least financially, I'll just kind of gloss over these a little bit, but they're really important in my wife's and my life. Two years after we were married in Cleveland, we met in 2005 and got married that same year. In 2007, she had difficulties at work that just brought her to the point of tears, and she broke down at a training one day, and she just couldn't go back. And that's her story to tell, but... In the midst of that, and again, not to put numbers on it for any other reason, but she and I made about the same amount of money. We both made about $45,000 a year at that time. And in the midst of that, when she came back from her training, God told me that she was not to go back to work. It just wasn't to happen. And we halved our income. And in that next year, we actually paid off debt while having two mortgages because we were still maintaining a house that she owned in Indiana as well as our house here in Cleveland. And God, being a firm foundation, being proved over and over again, showed up again. And he did it again when I left Cuyahoga Valley Church. I've told that story as well. God moved mightily and we left that position. I left that position without a prospect of a job at all. And we did a trust fall right into God's arms and said, God, here we are, send us. And God brought us to Refuge Community Church and he placed us here and he's been using us. So I say all of this to remind you of what that elderly woman said in that Unitarian Universalist meeting, that faith is really something that can be held on to she didn't know what she was quoting, but she was quoting scripture, and scripture proves that if you exercise faith again and again, and you trust God for what it is that he's going to do, he will show himself mightily, and the next time it will be that much easier to trust him again. So I ask you in, in all of this, first of all, if you don't know Christ, if what I'm saying to you, if, if, if you tuned out at the beginning, I, I'm sorry, when I told you what I believed in, but if you stayed this long and you're hearing this and you're understanding it and the Holy Spirit is working on your heart and you're beginning to wonder, is that something I could do? Then please right now cry out to God. He is ready and willing to hear you cry out to him. 
And all you have to do is believe that Jesus Christ did what he did on the cross of Calvary for you. He died a perfect sacrifice so that God could place on him your sin and in exchange put Christ's righteousness on you so that you could have eternal, eternal life with God. And all you have to do is repent, turn from the things that you've been trusting in, whether it's your own self, your beliefs, your religion, money, fame, whatever it is, whatever you're trusting in, set it aside and say, I trust you, God, with my life. I trust fall into your arms and I want to have faith. If you're a, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and this all encourages you, but you've not exercised that muscle of faith and you don't have the muscle mass yet, or even more so, you don't have the muscle memory yet, whatever God's calling you to, he'll make it clear. And when it comes time to say yes or no to God, say, here I am, Lord, send me, and trust fall into his arms and watch him move mightily, whatever that is, in in the midst of of sickness or or poverty or addiction, whatever it is, you can trust God. He is a firm foundation that has been proved over and over again, not just in my life, but in the lives of billions of people. And if you want to talk about this, I encourage you, please go to our website, rl-history.com, click on the email tab, click on the I want to chat tab, it all comes to me and I want to talk to you about this and I want to explain it more because I want you to have that growing faith that you can just continue to trust God more and more and more and more. So as we finish today, I want to encourage you, have faith. I know you have faith in something, but I want you to have faith in Jesus Christ. And I want you to have faith that God is going to move mightily in your life. So let's pray together. Father God, thank you for this time. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your care. Thank you for the muscle of faith. And thank you for the firm foundation that is you, Lord. You are unchanging. You are unstoppable. And you want to move mightily in our lives. You want to show up and do amazing things both small and fantastic. And it just takes us saying, here I am, Lord, send me, and trust falling into your arms in the midst of whatever circumstances we might find ourselves in. So I pray that for everybody that's listening today. Pray that they would reach out to you in saving faith, in growing faith, in deepening faith, or in exploring faith. And I pray, Father, that you would be honored and glorified. Thank you for your love and thank you for showing up each and every time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being here. Again, in two weeks, we're going to talk about NASCAR as NASCAR season launches here in 2023, at least where I'm at now. And then in uh, two weeks beyond that, we'll talk about To All the Girls I've Loved Before. And you can go listen to the song if you want. So um, thank you so much for being here. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Aural History. This has been a production of Z Media and is copyrighted with all rights reserved. Join us again next time.